Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Yo, what's poppin' Rush Nation? We're back. It's week five slash week six. We're in that twilight zone of fantasy football. Before we dive into today's show, I would like to say if you want to support the podcast, please do head over to Patreon slash Five Yard Rush. Dive into one of the tiers we got over there. There is lots going on. And for one dollar, one pound a month, sorry, I should say, you can get involved with all the stuff over at Five Yard. There are tiers. It does go up. But for one pound a month, there is a tier where you can get involved. So please do head over if you want to support the podcast. As always, it's Thursday night. That means I'm joined by the big man himself. Murph, how you doing, brother? Oh, good, mate. Kind of been uh, all over the shop this week. So I did do a pod yesterday, which I dropped, which was uh, semi-apologies for no waiver wire pod. I've been, uh, yeah, all over it. And then uh, some more strategy stuff. So thinking about how to structure our rosters now that we're into this crucial part of the season and, uh, some tips and tricks about how I felt this week was a bit of a trap on the waiver wire that uh, it's a week that I think could cost fantasy managers if they went too aggressively on the waiver wire this week because there was a lot of injuries, right? So there was a lot of injuries to James Conner, to Justin Jefferson, to Devon Achan. Uh, for example, all those, all three of those players have gone on to IR. They're gone for the next four weeks. Now, Anthony Richardson, Anthony Richardson also gone on to IR. So I think quarterbacks less concerning. But definitely the other positions, I think, would have caused fancy managers to panic. And I think people will sit there and say that losing Justin Jefferson cost him a championship and losing Connor or HN could potentially have cost him a championship. I don't necessarily subscribe to that. Maybe in the tight windows, potentially. But you're looking at an injury from week uh, five to week nine. 
um, or week, sorry, week six to week nine, potentially longer, depending on how bad these injuries are. So most fantasy managers will overreact and they'll overreact by dipping into the waiver wire market and picking up the best available player this week, um, which was um, Demicado from Arizona was the hotness of this week. And I felt if you dropped a significant amount of your fab budget on him, that is a bigger loss to your fantasy chances and your fantasy title than losing Connor Achan. Um, same way that you've dropped mega bucks on on Osborne for for Jefferson, and I say that because Demacado is not going to be a suitable replacement. He's going to be okay for one week. You might get two weeks out of him. But he's not even the he's not even the starter. Like it's going to be Ingram. Ingram will be the starter if fit. And so you're just kind of hoping that you get through this week. So you're paying a lot of money in, and also you're investing in an offense that isn't particularly great. It's not like James Connor was not pulling up trees, and he's a much better running back than Demicado. So you're sitting there thinking that picking him up is just a you're throwing fab bucks away. Whereas I would have invested in someone like Jeff Wilson, who's still currently on IR and gone, well, regardless of who the Dolphins put into that offense, I want to buy cheap pieces of a great offense. And if it doesn't work, it's not cost me that much, but I would expect Jeff Wilson to come in. Now they've only got Raheem Mostert when he's fit and he will have a significant role. At least while a chance back when a chance back, but if you, you could get Jeff Wilson, you could probably add Jeff Wilson now. Like, let's look at his ownership. But I reckon his ownership is in is less than 20%. So I'd like to think he's available in most leagues. I'm literally going to look this up now because it's always never-changing moving market. Jeff Wilson is currently... Mm-mm-mm. Okay, he's owned more than I thought. He has jumped that... up. <clears throat> That's he's probably because people 45. stashed him on their IR, right? Could be that people stashed him on his on their IR, and that could be a good play if you if you were smart enough to do that. I did that in a few places where I had empty IR spots. Um, but yeah, his ownership has jumped up quite significantly, but he should still be available in, in a number of leagues. So he's a player I would have got in on. His, his ownership has jumped 30% this week. So people have listened to the words that I've put out, and I'm probably not the only one saying this, that I felt this week was just a huge trap week i didn't feel there was anyone really overly owned or someone that you could grab that was going to make a significant difference but i do feel that people fell into the traps if i look at uh demicado his ownership is now 66 percent. his ownership has jumped 64 percent in the last three days that's mad because i would have said that that would be higher based on i would have said that every league somebody would have picked him up in every league Yeah, but probably really shallow leagues. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Probably hasn't, but in a league where you've got, say, five bench spots and IR spots, or probably those leagues who don't have IR spots, for example, are you really dropping a better player for Demarcado? But he is still over double the amount owned than uh, Keanate Ingram, which is mad because Keanate Ingram is looking more and more likely like he will go out on uh, on Sunday. And so if he goes, he is the star. It's not going to be Demarcado. You only went with Demarcado because of the fact that Ingram wasn't going to go. And yeah. then, and I'll, I'll you know, uh, and then they, they, they signed Tony Jones, which says that they don't like either player that much to carry the load. Yeah. So it looks to me it's going to be a really complicated situation. So anyway, <laughs> I've gone well off topic, as I always do. My point is, look, I'm looking at the top waiver wire ads this week. So Ingram has now jumped. In, these update every 24 hours. So Ingram is now like the, the number one. KJ Osborne, I understand. I would have bought cheap, but I wouldn't have spent loads. Jeff Wilson has heavily jumped up, but yeah, it made sense. Demarcado's at four. Uh, Don's Foreman is a one-week play max, but fine. Logan Thomas at six made perfect sense I, <clears throat> because he's probably the best tight end on waiver wise right now. Brandon Powell at seven which I don't understand because he's still only 5% owned. <laughs> so I don't understand how he's the seventh most ad player. 138,000 people have added him and he's still only 5% owned. Um, interesting. I wouldn't have added him unless I was in a super deep league. And then you got someone like Josh Downs, who's only 45% owned and he's at nine, which is wild because he was a much better ad than almost all the players I've talked about. And I think that's, and, and Tajay Spears, similar. Roshan Johnson, who's been dropped in a number of places this week, is crazy. I've been picking him up everywhere. Um, yeah, my point is it was very much a trap week, I felt. I felt that there was a lot of uh, waiver wire ads out there that just didn't make a lot of sense and could really hurt you if you blew a lot of fab this week. I, like, I don't think I blew much fab, unless I had loads to burn and I threw some numbers out there, but... I think your fab is going to be better spent in coming weeks. And then we yeah, talked was, about we, we talked about adding better better talent, right? Yeah. It feels like a compound of trap weeks. It just feels like every week somebody's getting injured. So the pool of people to draw from is becoming smaller. I know it isn't, but that's what it feels like. So people are, th- are panic buying essentially. Yeah, yeah, but we but then to offset panic buying is the future planet, right? So we talked two weeks ago about adding players like Rico Dowdle, right? They were players that we talked about that if something happened to Tony Pollard, that is a guy I want to own because his opportunity is going to go through the roof. So I don't want to add, and and the point of this is I don't want to add players on bad offenses unless they're pretty much exclusive work or, and I don't want to add players who have quite a low ceiling unless I'm desperate. And if I'm desperate, then, you know, 
your fantasy season is is half done anyway. If you're at this point now where you're you're relying on Ingram or Demarcado to get you over the line. Yeah. Um because I think and I, I mentioned that Ingram might be someone that you'd be interested in, but now they've added Tony Jones, who looks like he's gonna be their goal line back. I'm far less interested in in him than I would have been sort of a few weeks ago when it looked like he was exclusively going to be the number the number two um back and have a huge volume of touches. I don't think that's going to be the case. But like it, it's like going out there if Devontae Williams got injured and spending all your fab bucks on Jaleel McLaughlin. Now, I said Jaleel McLaughlin was an ad, and he is potentially given the circumstance. But is he a huge fab bid? No, because Denver are the worst, uh, one of the worst offenses in, in the NFL um, at the moment. So going there is not a great, a great option. So, you know, going and jumping at players like Samaji P. Ryan, who's doing absolutely nothing. You know, it's just you're throwing fab bucks away for throwing fab bucks away sake. So, yeah, I did, that's what kind of what I did the pod on yesterday. Um, so apologies for not doing a wave wire ad. At least it was a good week to not do one because I don't feel there was a lot of huge <laughs> value to go for this week. So, um, anyway, yes, yeah. but it's all good. I'm glad that I didn't. So I had to change airports yesterday because of the loot and fire. That was interesting coming back. But, yeah, it's been crazy for a crazy few days, but I'm glad to be back on terra firma and uh, doing this pod. <laughs> and the the amount of people obviously denver forums at the moment that i mean uh are all full of rebuild blow up let's get this thing exploded everything and the amount of people i've seen who are saying you know let's get rid of javante just keep mclaughlin he looked really good he looked good for one quarter and then the, they went he went south just like denver did and i'm not like people are way too fickle and also denver fans Go on. No, go on. I was going to say that there is some news that's been breaking out in the last hour that it looks like Jerry Judy could be traded before the deadline this month. Well, that doesn't surprise me. He was going to be traded See, before the season. So, yeah, but you're looking like you're talking, as you said, players, you're talking about teams that were potentially going to blow it up. Uh, yeah. Uh, Denver in particular, that looks like something they're going to do. Actually, just look, Denver's offense isn't as bad as I thought. It is actually a top. I think 11. They're actually averaging 24 points a game. It's just the defense is the worst. Uh, they're giving up 36 points a game, which is slightly skewed by that 70-point game, but still. Uh, but their run game has been pretty poor. Um, yeah. Javante Williams hasn't managed a top 30 running back week yet. Uh, Samaj P. Ryan hasn't either. I, I don't think uh, Javante Williams has cracked 10 points a game yet. I think we talked about this last week. So, yeah. I My point is that you know, don't go after bad offenses. You know, if and the other thing is, and I talked about this yesterday, go listen to yesterday's pod. If you own Ezekiel Elliott, if you own Dalvin Cook, you're just wasting a roster spot. Like, there's no ceiling to them. If Stevenson or Hall gets injured, there is no ceiling to that play. Because Stevenson isn't exactly knocking it out of the park right now. That New England offense is the worst in the NFL. They're averaging 11 points a game right now. They're surprisingly scoring less than the New York Giants, who scored their first touchdown on Sunday in the first half. It took them five weeks, and it wasn't even scored by their offense. 
Well. And and New England are worse than that, which tells you everything that you need to know that having pieces of that offense is just not a good idea. There isn't anyone on that offense I would want. Um, Stevenson excluded. If you've got Stevenson, he's obviously a hold. But you're not you're not sitting there like excited. If you own Juju, he can go. If you own Kendrick Bourne, he can go. I mean, if you're in a deep league, obviously hold on to these players. But if you're in a shallow league, these players have got to go. They're just not doing enough to warrant a roster spot. And the same goes for Dalvin Cook. Because if if something happens to Brees Hall, it's a committee. Michael Carter is currently kind of level, if not slightly ahead, of um, Dalvin Cook. So what's the point? Like, it's not a good offense. It's not going to be much better than it is now. And if Brees Hall goes down, it's a committee. It's just not worth holding. There's no ceiling. Like, for me, if I'm going to hold players on my bench, the only reason I've got players on my bench are they've got immediate fantasy value. So you're deep in a position. Let's say, for example, you've got a, a wide receiver core of... This was very realistic. Uh, Keenan Allen, Mike Evans, um, um, oh, I'm just sort of struggling here with my brain. Uh, Keenan, uh, New Hopkins, who you got in like the seventh round, and oh, let's say Tyler Lockett or something. And there you're four. All of them have standalone value. They all can go in the flex. Like you're not dropping any of those, obviously. So you, they have immediate fantasy value. If you're deep in the position, like they should be on your bench. The only other type of profile player that you should have on your bench is one that if a situation changes, that player becomes a significant fantasy asset. So we talked about Jerome Ford. We talked about Puka Nakua. We talked about a number of players where the situation has changed significantly and those players are now instantly fantasy value. And Rico Dowdle is top of my list. So Rico Dowdle is someone that should be owned in 90% of leagues. Even though he's not fantasy relevant right now, if something was to happen to Tony Pollard, he becomes the most wanted fantasy back in fantasy football. The same goes for someone like Elijah Mitchell. Again, great offense, heavy run offensive scheme. Elijah Mitchell's going to have a huge role if something happens to Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. The same goes for Jordan Mason in that same offense. will get a significant role. These are players that I want to own on my benches. I don't want to have, and I don't have, Ezekiel Elliott's or Dalvin. In Dynasty, it's slightly different because you don't want to overreact to the current situation. But in a redraft league, you absolutely cannot have those players because they are roster clocks. And so I was telling people yesterday, if you have a player on your bench and you cannot see a reason why they would ever play in your lineup, they need to go. You need to be brutally honest with your team now. If you are three and two and below, you need to have a brutal, honest assessment of your bench. And you need to look at your bench and say, well, I have... Uh, Quinton Johnston on my on my roster. He needs to go. Jackson Smith in, in Digba, he needs to go. There, Yes, there is a pathway to them being slightly more fantasy relevant. But to be honest, Quinton Johnston's had his pathway, i.e. Mike Williams has gone on IR for the year and there's not been an uptick. 
there might be an uptick like well, well late into the season. Can you wait that long in a shallow bench league? I don't think so. JSN, I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing his pathway. Yes, requires an injury, but I think it's just as likely we're seeing people like Jake Bobo coming in and nicking roll and nicking a, a roll. Like he scored in week four. So, or was it week three? I don't know, but he scored recently. My point is that JSN isn't exactly mopping up a fantasy significant role. And I think it would take, it would take DK Metcalf to go down for JSN to have an okay role. And even okay, I think he's a cap ceiling. I think it all goes to lock it. I think you'd need both to go, which is so highly unlikely, especially the wide receiver position for JSN. So he's a player I think you can get rid of. And it takes a lot of courage to do it because people sit there and they drafted these players and like they're excited about them and whatever. But you have to forget about their their, their NFL draft stock and you have to forget about the fantasy draft stock and move on from it. It is. You do. I think that is one of the hardest things to get across to fantasy players is that it feels like you're stepping off the precipice into the abyss when you're dropping players that you have stock in. And we need to drill into people that after the draft is done, the value has gone and then it becomes a season value. And like you say, these people who are roster clockers, we need to cut we need to get into the mentality that name value alone doesn't mean they stay on your roster and it can also be a a holy hand grenade into the waiver wire because the, i guarantee you if you drop dalvin cook there will be someone in the league who will be willing to drop somebody else to pick up dalvin cook just in case because they're on the mindset of well it's dalvin cook even though like you said with michael carter and Brees hall and stuff so yeah. you're losing Dalvin Cook, gaining somebody who could potentially be a league winner, and that player is then maybe going to drop somebody to pick up Dalvin Cook. Yeah, and I think I think that's key, right? So I'm, I've just picked a random league at, uh, at random, right? It's quite a deep league, but I want to practice what I preach. So I pulled up my Warrior Bowl team. Okay, now this team is three and two. It's not, it's not amazing, but it's not bad. Um, I have issues at tight end, whatever. But, uh, you know, at the moment, this team has at quarterback Justin Herbert, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Daniel Jones. So, again, I'm not exactly stacked at quarterback, but it's a super flex league. So, hence why I've got three quarterbacks. Running backs, at the moment, starting this week are Zach Moss uh, and Austin Eckler and James Cook. I have Aaron Jones, and weirdly, I have A.J. Dillon on bye week. Um, And A.J. Dillon is, for me, a roster clock, right? But then uh, on bench, I have Rico Dowdle, Jordan Mason, right? So two players have talked about, players I want exposures to, that if the situations change, they're potential league winners. And I don't want anyone else to have them. You know, wide receivers, Amon Ross St. Brown, Terry McLaurin, Adam Thielen, Chris Godwin. And then I have Michael Gallup because he's someone that I feel if something was to happen, he's getting more and more work. If something was to happen to CeeDee Lamb, there's a pathway. But he has relatively standalone value or he's had two good weeks three bad weeks but at least he has weeks where they're seeing and i also have tank dell um who has had you know multiple 20 point weeks this season so 
you know, again, I'm shooting for high upside. Um, and the tight ends is naff, right? I have Hunter Henry and Pat Freemuth, right? So I'm not exactly, but it is what it is. My point on that is the only roster clog I would say I have is AJ Dillon because I have Aaron Jones. So there is a bit of negative EV there. But I'm looking at what's available out there on the waiver wire, and it's Ingram, who I could pick up for the next few weeks and drop Dylan, and that's a call you can make either way. Salvin Ahmed, who's going to get marginal work, but not that much. Keyshawn Vaughn, I don't want the backup running back in Tampa because the starting tam- the starting running back in Tampa is a bottom-end RB2, and he's an elite talent compared to Keyshawn Vaughn. Deuce Vaughn is lost the role to Rico Dowdle, so why would I want Deuce Vaughn? DJ Dallas um, is third in line. Don't really want him. He, Eric Gray, we're going to third and fourth in line and, and fullbacks, right? So there isn't any, there isn't anyone out there that I would want that's going to get a passable role. And Craig Reynolds is probably the only other player, and Keonate Ingram. So I could go across Ingram and Dylan all week, but but I then I stay with Dylan. The upside of Dylan as a handcuff in that situation is surely greater than a couple of weeks of Keontae Ingram. Right, and that's kind of where I'm at. So unless there is something significant in the James Conner, uh, because am I going to start Keontae Ingram in the next four weeks over the running backs that I have, that I listed? Potentially Zach Moss, but James Cook and Austin Eckler? Probably not. So then he becomes a flex consideration over the likes of Godwin, Tank Dell. Like, I'm not even lining up Tank Dell right now in my lineup. He's on my bench. So, like, he's not even the next guy up. And the only buy I have that comes during the uh, injury window for James Connor is Amon Rasen Brown. So, and my kicker, which is fine. Uh, but there's no other of my starters have a bye week in the next... Oh, Adam Phelan, sorry, in week seven. But I have two wide receiver uh, bye weeks, which would be covered by... Well, actually, not week seven, Tank Dell. So, yeah, week seven, there's probably something there. But then Aaron Jones is back. So I'd put Aaron Jones in my flex. I'd move Chris Godwin to my start role. So, again, County Ingram isn't making my starting lineup, and he's probably two moves behind to make my starting lineup in the next two weeks. So, yeah. yeah. And then if, if Jones, who has been struggling with injury, goes down, Dylan hasn't been pulling up trees at all, but he only needs one week to go off. I just think <clears throat> I'll take the volume of Dylan as a handcuff. Yeah. And Keanu Ingram, who's going to go back to doing nothing when James Connor comes back. Yeah. So, yeah. And th- and I think that's that's the point. There isn't, unless there is a better option out there, and no fancy managers will ask, well, who are the better options? We're telling you, it's Rico Dowdle, it's Tuba Hubbard. Uh, Tuba Hubbard's owned. That's why he's not out there. Um, it's it's offenses that are going to run the ball significantly. Um, and, you know, you and you want pieces, you know, Jeff Wilson that talked about he's owned in that league. Um, but you want to own pieces like Kenneth Gainwell. If he's out there, he's someone that needs to be owned. If Swift goes down like he does most years, um, Justice Hill needs to be owned. Um, it, you know, we're going through this. All right, the Cardinals are running the ball pretty well, but a lot of that is made up of Josh Dobbs. He's running 40, 50 yards a game at the moment. Um, Craig Reynolds is someone that could be worth owning because these are the better running offenses than, you know, I don't want the Raiders back up 
I don't want the Bengals back up. I don't want the Steelers back up. I don't want the Vikings back up, which is Cam Akers. He can drop him. It's another roster clock for you. You can drop Cam Akers. He's not valuable in any role. You can get rid of him. Um, I talked about AJ Devon. He is a roster clock. If there's a better option out there, you should cut him. I can't really see one in that league I mentioned, so I'm not going to. But it's a deeper league. Yeah. Uh, Devin Singletree, another roster clock. You can cut him. See Kelly at roster clock. All these players are roster clocks. You just don't need them. Um, Matt Breeder would potentially be a roster clock. He's done nothing. If Saquon Barkley's back this week, you can cut Matt Breeder. He can go. He's done. Don't need him. So that's my point is don't spend money on average talent in bad offenses. It's not needed. It's the quickest way. And don't hold on to players for sentimental reasons. And if you can get that through and do a real honest assessment, your squad will be in a better shape. And that's kind of, we're going to give you some trends in this show and talk about uh, up with trends, down with trends. Uh, and I'll talk about it with anyone. And part of what you get with the Patreon, by the way, if you subscribe for your pound a month, I break through every game and talk about almost every player's fantasy relevance. So I talk about this player's got this many targets per route run. Um, they've run this many percentage of routes and talk about upward and downward trajectory on most players. It's an hour long show every week. I do. There you go. So it's worth That's subscribing it. for a pound a month. Nothing. Yeah, you talk 25 about a show that, yeah, and, and some weeks it's even less, some months it's even less because there's five weeks in a month. That's right. So, uh, yeah, unbelievable. Murph, you talked about spending up for average talent. I tell you what you should spend up for elite talent, and that is to get yourself the handyman from Manscaped. Yes, Rush Nation, that's right. Keep your beard looking on point with the handyman. It's about the size of, I don't know, an old iPhone. It's not like a massive new iPhone Max. It's a little pocket. I say pocket size. It would go in your pocket, but you'd put it in your bag, not your pocket. It's a stubble eradicator they should use that that is a good line three days up to three days of stubble would take it straight back to bare baby face skin giving that beard look fresh they also do the lawnmower for all over body hair the hedge trimmer for the beard which murph and i both think is the best Elite. trimmer we have used it Elite. is and and like and i'll talk about this i said it on the previous show if you missed it I'm crap at cutting my bit. So I always <laughs> used to go to the barbers and get it done because I always would cut it too short. Um, this was the first beard trimmer I've ever had that actually it's idiot proof. Cause I'm an idiot, right? When it comes to my own facial hair, I've always <laughs> used those clippers and I always go the wrong way. And I'm always that guy that cuts it too short because it gets under the clipper. Um, and then it, I draw a line and I have to cut it pretty much all the way off and then they grow back. So I never, I quit doing my own beard. Um, but the beard trimmer is is that elite that it is completely idiot proof. You can't do that. Like it won't, it won't let you cut it too short, no matter which way you cut it. That's the best bit. That's what they should put in the market. It is literally for idiots who can't cut their beard properly like myself. Because <laughs> now I can, now it saves me money. It's actually paying for itself because now I don't need to go to the, barbers and get a head uh, a beard trim which is 10 pound to go and that's where i live in the midlands it's probably more if you live in london um so if you think about just cost of scale once you've done it about seven eight times it's already paid for itself exactly and if you use and if you use the code five yard at checkout you'll get 20 percent off and free shipping so it's even less murph it's probably like six goes of your beard and you've you've managed to save yourself some money it's quite satisfying looking after your beard as well you know 
you get that time. The only thing I wish I did have was one of those things from Amazon where you put it around your neck and stick it on the mirror to catch all the hair. I should definitely. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're exactly right. But yeah, I don't know why I don't have one of those. But Rush Nation, if you do need yourself any form of hair trimmer in the world, head over to Manscaped, use the code 5YARD at checkout, get 20% off and free shipping. You'll thank us. Your spouse will thank us. Everybody will thank us. You thank yourself. Murph. We've we've spent 29 minutes doing the intro there, mate. Where do you want to go in this doc next? I mean, you tell uh, me. Uh, yeah, well, all... look, I, I think let's leave. Look, we kind of already covered about the main learning for this week, which is be prepared for injuries. I think we cover that from last night's show and a little bit here about doing your roster. Things that I'm surprised about, um, I'll talk about it like in, in one minute. So I was surprised with the Bills offense uh, in the London game on uh sunday jet lag is the only way i can kind of put it the jags being here significant advice i don't know how the nfl is going to find a wave for the jags to continue this run of two games and they're going to do it like this is definitely happening next year so i have some semi inside knowledge that the bears are going to be in madrid next year uh and the jags will be back for two games one home one away game now I think it's going to be very difficult for a, a team who are going to play the Jags and they're the home team consistently to pick up doing this every every year because there is a significant advantage to the Jags playing two games here because of the fact that they'll play their home game more often than first. Probably the only way that you can get around this is for them to have the away game first. So it is slightly on a more even playing field. Yeah, but, but uh, then... But then if you're the Jags and you're flying anyway from your away game, you just jump on your plane straight to London from the away game. So no, no, no. what I mean by the Jags playing their away game first in London. So like the Jags were technically at home for the Falcons game. And then they played their away game against the bills in London, which felt like, and was really sort of, well, it didn't feel like a home game, but it was a home game because they were used to the territory. They'd already been here for a week they'd settled so the bills had less than they had less than home advantage they had a negative advantage because the bills the jags have been here they come here consistently anyway so the jags are constantly here used to it have a routine so it isn't a significant advantage in its own right but when they've already played the home game and they're still here then the bills are on even less of a ground so like if you think your home game should be an advantage it's a significant advantage for the jags so yeah. I think the only way that you can equalize equalize that is to have the Jags play technically away first so that both teams are coming in at the same time, at least at somewhat level. Um, so say if they played the Titans and the Titans were the home team, then they played the Titans first and then they play their home game against whoever it might be uh, the following week. That would be the way I would do it because then I think the Bills will have some reason to be uh, annoyed given the fact that the Jags had a significant advantage and it is a home game they've given up to facilitate a Jags advantage um, because they were slow off the park um, and they didn't really get going. And James Cook had negative four yards rushing, which is just appalling, right? Um, but Bill's Mafia, shout out. That was incredible. Like their audience was just unbelievable. Um they must have bought like 15,000 people. It was nuts. So it's the loudest I've ever heard 
Tottenham. It's the last I'll ever hear Tottenham. I don't think it will ever get beaten. Um, but the other things for this week uh, that I, I'd sort of keep an eye on, the Bills were hyper, uh, sorry, the Bears were hyper efficient. Um, people were talking about like, oh, Justin Fields is back and uh, AJ, oh, sorry, and DJ Moore is elite. No, <laughs> don't react to one game. Um, yes, Jack Del Rio and Washington were just extremely bad. They just put uh, they just put DJ Moore in man coverage, and then when he torched them once, they kept him in man coverage, and then when they torched him twice, they still kept him in man coverage, and then he torched him a third time, and they still kept him in man coverage. Like it's just stupid. Like one on one man coverage, it was just madness. Um, probably the worst coach defensive game I've ever seen. Uh, I'd go that far. Um, and I just wouldn't react to the Bills hyper, uh, sorry, the Bears hyper efficiency. Um, they had a 14% touchdown rate, which, you know, Justin Fields only completed 15 passes in this game. Well, he's not going to complete 15 passes and four touchdowns that often. It just doesn't happen. So, yes, good for confidence. Yes, good signs he hooked up with DJ Moore. Yes, it was great. DJ Moore was the target hog. But the whole touchdown efficiencies, I'm throwing all those numbers out. Like, they're irrelevant to me because it was the worst coached defensive performance I've probably ever seen. I can probably think there is some worse, but that was as bad as I can recall off the top of my brain. So I'm throwing that out. Against better teams, that doesn't happen. Doesn't happen mm-hmm. at all. So just just one to temper expectations there. And then... Trent Irwin weirdly was the guy who jumped in and uh, you know uh, took over from T Higgins. Ten targets, eight receptions. I thought Tyler Boyd would get more work. He did fine, not amazing, but fine. Um, I do think they'll probably keep Higgins out this week because the buys next week. So Trent Irwin as a one week play could be quite a nice sort of sneaky under the radar ad um, that you could probably get now for nothing because I think he's like four percent owned, five percent owned. So. I mean, if Higgins goes, then that bends it all off. But if I'm the Bengals and I know that we're playing her and we're struggling, I'm just thinking ahead. My bye week's next week. Do I really want to risk, risk T Higgins now? Or do I want to give him an extra week, get extra healthy? Or two weeks because they'll have to buy next week. Makes sense. It's logical, so it's probably not going to happen. Yeah, especially when you can throw Jamal Chase the ball 15 times and... You know, he makes up for the... uh, Well, you can do that on the Cardinals because the Cardinals can't... Their secondary is about as bad as it is. It's not the worst in football, but it's right up there. Yeah. Okay. We are five minutes past the show, Doc, so we've caught up quite nicely, Murph. Let's talk about statistical trends we need to monitor going into this week, starting with Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua. Yeah. um, So really interesting. I didn't expect Cooper Cup to run 100% of routes. I thought they'd phase him in a little bit. I, I, I said to people, you should play him, like, uh, but I didn't expect him to run 100% of routes. It does say to me that they were holding him back. Uh, IR was was a precaution, um, an overcautious approach, potentially. They probably see themselves as an outside playoff bet for the, uh, for the, for the wild card, and they probably thought, let's just get Cooper Cup up to full speed. Um, I think there was some gamesmanship with the limited practice because you don't go from a limited practice and four weeks off IR to 100% of routes. So it clearly was healthier than people were letting on. 
Puka Nakua, 100% of roots, which says that he's not going nowhere in this offense. Um, their target share combined, 62.2%. Air yards share was 78.3%. So these two are going to be the dominant um, role makers in this offense. But I would also shout out the Tutu Atwell is still worth holding or adding. Um, I think Atwell brings something that's very different to both of these players who are very stylistically similar. Um, I see Atwell as kind of the Robert Woods of a few years ago when this Rams offense was really purring. Um, I think he will give them the -the over-the-top threat. They've traded Van Jefferson this week, so that tells you that Atwell is well within their plans. That's a good sign for Atwell. They basically just eliminated his target competition. So Atwell takes a slight dip, but actually he still holds more than enough fantasy value, and I think he's going to have spike weeks where if the Rams are chasing and need quick scores, it won't go to Cup and Nakua, it will go to Atwell who is the field stretcher in this offense. So I, it's it's a good sign for Cooper Cup owners. It's a good sign for Puka Nakua owners. But also, I still think there's a good amount of value there. Uh, this was a game that the Rams were fairly, I don't want to say fairly comfortable. I think that's probably a bit harsh. But they, they had reason to be more contained um, in this game. I know they lost to the Eagles, but they... Try to think of the way to explain it. They didn't want to take on the, the Eagles secondary too much. They didn't they knew it's a good defense, it's a good secondary. They weren't allowing Stafford that time to to get behind and to to throw the deep ball as much. Um, I think in other games where they're probably not favorites, but um or in close games. So I'm looking at their schedule now. So like the Cardinals this week, two two outwells is a play because they're so bad on the secondary, the Cardinals. Um, so I think he's a good way of them getting cheap points. Well, not cheap points, but good points. Um, I think they're on buy um, after that. But oh, they're not. They've got the Steelers. That could be an interesting game that you play. So I think I look at the schedule coming up and think, ah, well, it's a decent, still a decent player. It's still worth owning. Um Let's talk about Josh Downs. Josh Downs, um, he was running routes on at least 77% of the dropbacks um, every game this season. So he's very active in this offense. Uh, 22% targets per route run this year, which is a nice number. It's not too bad. But now that Richardson is out, he is single-handedly the biggest beneficiary. Because I kind of said this offense is all about, um, in in passing terms, Michael Pittman only with, with Richardson on the field, and that has transpired. But with Gardner Minshew, he will sling it about a bit more. He will stretch the field. He will use more receivers. He's more comfortable throwing the football at this level than Anthony Richardson. They will The passing attempts in this offense will increase because there's no mobility um, in Minshew that there is with Anthony Richardson. So naturally, there is going to be more passing attempts, more passing plays, as we've already seen with Minshew in the two games he's appeared in. So Josh Downs is a massive arrow up. If you can get Josh Downs in your league, at least for the next four weeks, he's a worthy add for me. He's worth a good 10, 15% of your fab because I think he's a wide receiver three upwards, which makes him startable. So Josh Downs is available in your league. Uh, and he's available in just under half a leagues. He's a player you should add because I think he holds significant value. Um, he's getting decent targets, but it increases more when it's Gardner Minshew. So that's a, a key one to, to to look at. 
Um, George Pickens, he's on bye this week, so not really much to preview. Um, but on sun on Sunday, he amassed 196 air yards, 130 yards receiving, and the Pittsburgh offense only put up 289 yards. <laughs> so he put up like almost half of their offense on his own, which is just mad. Um, so true alpha, if you're a Deontay Johnson owner, like I am in a lot of places, I am significantly worried now. I'm significantly worried that um, Pickens is becoming the, the alpha in that offense because he's there available. He's the number one differentiator there. But he's, it's the same with Josh Downs. You know, Josh Downs at North Carolina was the alpha there, and he was an elite wide receiver in the in in the ACC. And then George Pickens at Georgia was phenomenal. You know, a, a bit of a character and some some backroom stuff that people weren't sure of. But as a receiver, George Pickens was the alpha. Showed it in college. And Pittsburgh tend to pick good receivers, and and we're seeing it. So. Yeah, it's not it's not a huge shock. It's just yeah, taking a Chase, little bit of time. Chase Claypool. Yeah, Chase Claypool excluded. Uh, but there's yes, always exceptions really that prove the rules. There are. No, Murph appears to have disappeared from the room. Rush Nation. Uh, shout out if you are watching right now. If you could like and share that, or hit the bell button on YouTube. Subscribe. That would be much appreciated. You'll help us push out to more people. Let's move on. Let's, let's talk about Jordan Addison. Had a career high 84% of routes run. Continues to produce with all opportunities. Best bet for Minnesota to replace Jefferson's production. We've seen it with their ad in the draft. Obviously thought highly of Jordan Addison. And this is his time to potentially get higher, become more of a workhorse than, than we thought going into the season. You know, he was going to be the number two but now is he going to step up and be the number one is KJ Osborne going to they're going to split roles not sure but Hawkinson is also there he's probably going to see an uptick but yeah KJ Osborne TJ Hawkinson and and Jordan Addison Zay Flowers goodness gracious had 11 targets 168 air yards 15.3 ADOT which is crazy it's a massive shift in air yards and an ADOT on higher volume, so big positive usage sign. The, the Ravens look to throw it a bit more, and the Steelers... TJ Watt, I'm pretty sure he did end up... Well, if you see the... Did he punch Did he punch Jay Flowers in the face? Did he not? Let me know in the comments what you think. Pitsy's definitely going to disagree with this and loves it, even if it is, because he's a Steeler. Let's talk Ronnie Rivers. He's a decent stash at Rams backfield, you know. Isn't locked up now with Kamek. It is locked up. Apologies. Um, Kyron Williams is definitely the guy there but Mouse back, welcome back Kyron Williams is the guy there but Ronnie Rivers is a decent stash because of just how thin the marketplace is right now Murph, I covered Zay Flowers and Jordan Addison anything else you want to add for them apart from the notes that are in the dock? Um, just that Zay Flowers is the only receiving uh, other than as, um, Mark Andrews is the only receiving um uh, target in town, really. So you can drop Rashad Bateman. Yeah, you can shop uh, Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, you'll find just to run with, say, Flowers. And yeah, you mentioned Ronnie Rivers. Uh, yeah, he's another player that I'm looking, again, I'm looking at players who can walk into massive opportunities, massive fantasy-relevant roles. Ronnie Rivers does not start 
in any fantasy format. In any fantasy format, he does not start as it stands right now. But as you said, if Kyron Williams goes down, uh, Ronnie Rivers pretty much walks into a 90% plus role. Yep. And I like that. So, you know, talked about Rico Dowdle, talked about a load of players. Ronnie Rivers is another name for that list. If you've got one of these roster clogs that we talked about at the top of the show and I talked about yesterday, drop them, pick up Ronnie Rivers. Ronnie Rivers is available in like 98% of leagues. And yes, it might not work. But you know what? What if it does? The difference yeah. is that Roddy Rivers is someone that when, if you can get ahead of the game on these, these are the quickest ways to win fantasy football leagues, is to pick up a player before the market jumps on the player and before that player accedes into the position of value. So if you, if, if, if Kyron Williams goes down on Sunday and he is still, and Roddy Rivers is still a free agent, come Monday, unless you are, top of the wave of priority or you have the most fab bucks ronnie rivers is probably not going to be someone on your roster avoid that situation add him today cut your roster clog and you're fine yeah talking about another running back zach moss after an absolute monster week last week even with jonathan taylor returning zach moss you said you're playing him in your warrior bowl league still Murph. do you think he's playable going forward with jt's return I don't think he's playable for much longer. I think that the Colts ran the hot hand. Um, he ran off a, a, a touchdown run quite early in that game and then continued to be successful. Um, and I think that was an easy option to keep Jonathan Taylor off the field um, because Zach Moss was doing a great job. Yeah. I think it might take Jonathan Taylor another week, maybe even another two, but I think your window on Zach Moss is heavily reduced i traded zach moss today for um michael pittman jr i'm like cheers thanks very much i'm out that is disgusting uh I, it was offered to me as well i was like i can't even count on that like i'm done cheers except thanks bye um because someone obviously looked at the stat line and thought oh well john for taylor's not gonna be a thing john for is gonna be a thing like they've just paid him so yes i think you can start zach moss this week maybe the week after we see what happens this week but I think come week eight, Zach Moss is not going to be much of it. I think he'll have a role, but is it a fantasy relevant role? No. I think if you can get, if you can trade Zach Moss now and get a good replaceable unit, I would be doing that. That would be a good fantasy football play. I said, I just trade him for Michael Pittman. You're not going to get probably that same value, but if you can, I would be. If you can get a decent part to replace Zach Moss, I would be doing that right now. Fair. Just had a update that Odell Beckham Jr. is from questionable to good, so that might slightly impact Zay Flowers. Uh, yeah. Jameson Williams, Murph, back last week. What do we think? Um, I think that Jameson Williams is going to struggle to be fantasy relevant often, I think. Um. Didn't have the best of weeks last week. Now, people can excuse that he's not played for quite a while. And people can excuse that the lines were up and the game script meant that they didn't have to throw the ball as much. Um, people seem to think that Josh Reynolds is not going to be a thing. And I don't quite understand this. Um, as, I, as I've already said, availability is the number one path to success. Josh Reynolds is always available. But there's an underlying thing here that people... I don't know why, but no one is really picking up on this, right? Why do you think Josh, um, why do you think Josh Reynolds and Jared Goff uh, 
have quite a good relationship? Don't know. They've been teammates before. They were right. teammates at the Rams. So when when Goff went to Detroit, they signed Josh Reynolds. Obviously, Goff had a word and said, hey, I quite like this guy. You can sign him pretty cheap. And that's exactly what they did. So for me, I don't see... Yes, okay, they drafted Jameson Williams. Yes, he's a first-round pick. They probably didn't expect Josh Reynolds to be half as good as he is. My point is, I don't see a path to Jameson Williams being a huge thing this week, this this season. Unless something happens to um, Josh Reynolds... Like, I think that there's enough there to support a third wide receiver. I think Jameson Williams will have spike weeks. I think he'll have a week where he'll probably end up as a wide receiver one. But I think he's just as likely to have more, a lot more weeks where he's not going to be fantasy relevant. So I think you'll have, he's going to be really infuriating to own. He's going to have a week that he's going to be absolutely phenomenal. And he's going to have four weeks where he's going to be absolutely awful. And so if you're starting him on a consistent basis, I think you'll kind of come out negative behind because Josh Reynolds is not going to go away. He's not going to go away. He is a thing that is not going to go away because he's effective. He scored at the weekend. Josh Reynolds is not going away in this offense. And right now he's ahead of Jameson Williams, especially in the eyes of Jared Goff. And while the Lions are in first place and while Jared Goff is throwing as well as he is, they're not going to disrupt that. He, they're not going to say, oh, well, you need to give the ball to Jamison Williams more because he's a first-round pick. It's not how it works. You ride the hot hat. So I think Jamison Williams will be brought along. I think he will have a good week or two. But I don't see him having consistent performance that, say, a Josh Reynolds. Whereas I think Josh Reynolds will be more consistent but not have the spike weeks. Because it's all going to go to AJ uh, Amon Russell Brown. Amon Russell Brown is the alpha. He's the guy who's going to monopolize the situation, anyways. So, yeah, I just don't see a I don't see a path to Jameson Williams, um, getting huge, huge volume consistently. And let's not forget Laporte as well. He's he's having a well. There you go. Well, Laporte's the is the red zone guy, right? Yeah. So if Laporte is monopolizing the red zone and Amit Rossing Brown's going to monopolize the target share and Josh Reynolds is going to have target share, it's going to have to take extraordinary things for Jameson Williams to be fantasy relevant. And like I said, I do think Jameson Williams has that talent to where he can go and have a wide receiver one week because they double cover St. Brown and they decide they want to, they're training in a game and they need that explosive threat. But in containment situations where Detroit are comfortable, where they're in games or they're comfortably leading games, they're not going to give it to Jameson Williams as much because they don't need that. They give it to St. Brown. They'll give it to Reynolds. They'll give it to the Port. And, you know, it's only in those games where they're just so far behind and they need miracles that Jameson Williams is going to be more of a thing. And like I said, there will be a week that he will have a, a wide receiver one week and people will overreact. And I'm telling you this now because it's going to happen. Jameson Williams will put up a 25-point fantasy week this season and people will go, must, must play Jameson Williams the following week. And then he'll score like four points. And it will happen. And I'm telling you now, and you can clip this, because I, I willing to, I'm willing to say quite confidently that is going to happen. And my <laughs> point is... Just be careful. 
because if you continually play Jameson Williams, he will cost you more weeks than he will win you in this current Lions setup. Yeah, that's fair. So somebody who's going to win you weeks is Brees Hall, Murph. He's back to a full workload last week and looked pretty good. Yep. So season high, uh, seven what we call high value touches, so touches that you want running backs to have dominant plays on and significant positive plays. Uh, four touches inside the 10. Um, but again, he got uh, 54% of snaps. So I would expect him to get even more workload. I still think they're holding him back a little bit. Um, Michael Carter seemed to be the receiving back uh, in terms of he ran routes 52% of the time, Hall only 30% of the time. Notice I did not mention um, Dalvin Cook there because his stat line was pretty irrelevant. Um, it goes back to what I'm saying. I just don't see a pathway to, to Dalvin Cook being fantasy relevant. But yeah, Brees Hall's going in the right direction. It's going to happen. But it just be a little bit more patient. We're probably another week or, or two away. Yeah, Kendra Miller had all the backup reps to himself with Jamal Williams and Tony Jones by from the IR. We've talked about Tony Jones now being an Arizona Cardinal. It did have a 30% root rate, but it wasn't efficient as a runner. It is the Alvin Kamara show, but Murph, he's a good stash right now, considering the upside potential. I don't know if he is. I don't know if he is, only because when he's had that role, he's not done anything with it. When he had that role, they went to Tony Jones on the on the goal line, and now they've cut Tony Jones. So, I don't see... I, I liked Kendra Miller in college. I actually thought he had a bit of juice in him. I've, yet, I've not seen it in the NFL. Now, part of that is that Saints offense isn't particularly great. Um, and that's that's a challenge. But I don't think he does the receiving part of the game well. I don't think he does the pass blocking part of the game brilliantly either. And I think he's going to struggle to justify a role while Alvin Kamara is there. And if Alvin Kamara goes down, yeah, I think he will be... I think he will have touches and you could say that there might be enough volume there, especially now Tony Jones has been cut, that there could be enough touches for him to be a volume dependent running back too. But I don't see a ceiling. I don't see a ceiling that is going to be a game wrecker where he's going to win you weeks. I don't see the same as I've mentioned with other players, Ronnie Rivers, um, uh, Rico Dowdle, Chuba Hubbard, for example. I just think that that offense isn't good enough. They're not going to lead in enough games for Kendra Miller to get a huge volume. I think they'll just sling it to Alave and to Michael Thomas. And to, I think Taysom Hill will come in and probably vulture a load of touches in that backfield as well. So potential stash, but I wouldn't be too excited about it. Fair enough. We've still got quite a few names on this list, Murph. Do you want to rattle through some quick fire style just to uh, yeah. Them? So Kenneth Gainwell is not really going to threaten uh, Andre Swift, especially DeAndre Swift, especially with three point three yards a carry and three point nine yards per touch. But he is still the back to own if something was to happen to Swift. I am quite surprised that Swift has broken away and become the dominant back in a team that likes to be a committee backfield that kind of also tells you that Rashad Penny not a thing cut him if he's on your roster as he is on like 30% of rosters he's got to go um Jake Ferguson uh he's trending upwards every single week I still I got him on a waiver wire ad this week I was like oh my god I can't believe he's still out there um season high 73% of roots um 
third straight week, he's set a season high. So that root rate is increasing, which means he's going to be up to like 80%, which for a tight end is great. Um, yeah, targets have been good. Like, not spectacular. He gets in the box. It's not an amazing offense, but he is a second, third read. The tight end position's crap. If Jake Ferguson's out there, add him. He's probably better than most of the tight ends that you have. Um, Tyler Higby, talking about tight ends, massive uh, decrease. Uh, he is now not going to be a thing now. Cup is back. Uh, oh, he talks about Tutu uh, two, two Atwell. Higby goes to really being like the fourth read in this offense. Um, he's like barely in the conversation of being fantasy relevant now. So if you've got Tyler Higby, just he is touchdown dependent now. That's where we are. He's not going to get enough volume to sustain him. Uh, Hopkins is freaking awesome. He still continues to dominate. 31% <laughs> targets per route run. Uh, really unlucky on the TD. You're not going to see this in the box score if you didn't watch the game. Uh, Derek Henry threw him a pass. It was at the back of the end zone. He couldn't quite get his feet inbound. I mean, we're talking about that much. Really, really minuscule amount um, where he just got out of bounds. That would have been six more points. So uh, these are the things um, you need to keep an eye on. But 140 yards, 11 targets. Uh, cheers. I'll take that production every single week uh, with Nimitz's on touchdowns. Um, Darren Waller dominated, like he absolutely dominated. Um, first time we've seen Waller dominate in New York. Also, not surprising because their entire um wide receiver core is pretty shoddy. Um, I'd expect him if he's healthy and he's questionable coming into this week. If he is healthy, I'd expect him to have a very similar profile. Maybe Saquon takes a bit of work because um, Wondell Robinson has the single worst matchup in football he's got taron johnson who's giving up 0 0.05 uh fantasy points per route run against him which is minuscule so taron johnson arguably the best slot corner right now um i don't see wandell having a, a particularly good game this week so i can see that trend to going to waller and letting him continue to dominate uh this week in particular michael mayer um did he ran 49% of routes? So he's someone that is continuing to get some some work. Um, uh, he's someone that I'd monitor, he's not someone I'm desperate in a tight end premium league. Uh, he's an ad. So if you are in a tight end premium league, like uh, Scott Fishbowl or uh, other tournaments that uh, have a tight end premium, and Michael Mayer's out there, I'd add him as someone who could potentially break through. You might need an Austin Hooper injury to get there, but he is someone that. Is seeing an increase. He could be on his way to the second half of the season, being the tight end one there and getting some decent work there. Um, Cole Komet, uh, what were we saying about him? Um, he's a touchdown dependent back. That's our tight end. That's kind of where we are with him. Um, he, but he's a great pass blocker. That and that's what's going to keep him on the field. So, um, and he's going to get a significant amount of work. So. He's going to be one of these that's touchdown dependent, but I do think uh, he's going to stay on the field enough to get those opportunities. So, you know, I would still be looking to add Jake Ferguson over him, but he's someone that if you've got him, don't be too worried, but you're just going to have to play that to boom or bust. Um, Calvin Ridley, um, he's still not that alpha status yet. And I think there's some fantasy owners that are a bit worried. It was a bit better this week against the bills. 35% uh, first read target rate. Uh, he had two design rushes, which was cool, but he still only had a 22% target share. 
um, and 19% targets per route run. So he is going to need he's going to need the team to throw the ball a lot in order for him to be having big weeks. So Calvin Ridley is not going to be in this in this upper elite echelon of um, elite fantasy receivers like Keenan Allen this season, like um, Jefferson before he went down, like uh, Devontae Adams, like um, Mike Evans this season. He's not going to be dominant enough to put up those alpha top tier numbers. But if Jacksonville are in games where they're going to throw the ball 35 plus times, he's going to put up big weeks. So when you're analyzing the ceiling of Calvin Ridley, you have to look more carefully at who Jacksonville are playing. Opponents they're likely to dominate. He will see less work. Opponents where they're they're going to throw the ball a lot more, he will do quite well. But he is dependent on the volume because they've got good receivers. They've got Christian Kirk. They've got Zay Jones. Um, They've got Evan Ingram. You know, they've got a lot of mouths to feed in that offense. So he's going to need. He's not pulling away as the true alpha in that offense. Um, Johnu Smith uh, talks about roster clogs. Kyle Pitts is one. Get rid of Kyle Pitts. He can go. He is dead in fantasy football this season. Um, he's Johnu Smith is the tight end to own in Atlanta. This is how <laughs> wacky Atlanta is. Um, so there we go. Uh, constantly running routes. Uh, two thirds dropbacks. Um, he's seeing a decent amount of targets. He's staying on for the red zone work. Um, so. He's, listen, I don't want to own him, but I'd rather own him over Carpets. <laughs> right, Carpets is dead in fantasy football. It's like Van Jefferson. Someone asked me the other day, like, um, what's what's Van Jefferson's fantasy value? And I just sent back like a uh, skull emoji for dead, like wow. dead. <laughs> like Van Jefferson doesn't have fantasy. Va- they've gone. He's gone to the place where they don't like to throw the football. <laughs> Yeah, they are terrible. Who cares? Like, his fantasy value's dead. Like, you... you yeah. Johnny Smith, I'd rather own him over Carl Pitts, but, yeah, he's still not great. Uh, let's talk about your Broncos. Um, no, move on. <laughs> it's, no, it's interesting because we're talking about the running back situation. We've kind of already touched upon this. The whole offense does run through running backs. Um especially the, like this past week, no wide receiver or tight end got more than 11 yards through three and a half quarters. That's disgusting. <laughs> like Sean Payton, offensive genius. Um, but, you know, they, they did have that, com- you know, they did go into that comeback mode late on. Um, so you've now got this three-way committee. Um, I think I put in brackets here, the clearest thing might be to fade all wide receivers and tight ends here. Definitely the tight ends. They're talking about Greg Dolton. She's going to be a go. That doesn't change my thinking. You don't need to play him. Um, I, I I still think Sutton, I talked about this. I think he's veering towards this slant boy role. I still think Sutton being the end zone target is worth like playing slash owning. But yeah, Jerry Judy, if you can get out of the Jerry, if you can see the, the trade news today, and you can see that Jerry Judy's getting traded potentially and use that rumor to trade him and trade on the upside, I'd be doing that. And yes, Jerry Judy might walk into fantasy world and he could land on an amazing team. He could also go to the Falcons <laughs> and die. So you are you can play look, you can let somebody else assume the fantasy roulette risk of Judy and play on the upside because him on his own 
right now isn't fantasy relevant. He's like the wide receiver 40 or something like that. Like it's he, I worked out on uh, point fantasy points per target per route run. He's the wide receiver 57. Like he's not good enough as a standalone player right now. It's not his fault. It's the offense he's in. Um, I talked about Demacado. So um, (laughs) he ran, he played on 77% of snaps, ran 66% of routes. And that's because he was the only active running back when um, James Connor went down. Um, Other than uh, Corey Kement, who, uh, who is the special teamer, I think. Um, So, the way I see this offense working is Ingram at the head of it, Demarcado getting the third down work and Tony Jones getting the goal line work. That's kind of how I see this running back. I think they'll go to a running back by committee um, approach. I think Ingram gets the first, second down work. I think uh, Demarcado gets the third, um, third down work slash two minute drill work. And then I see Tony Jones get the goal line work. Uh, Rob Williams has turned around and said, Stocks just waiting for the big Tim Patrick comeback next season. Um, yeah, it wasn't that supposed to be this season, yeah, but he, he's only got, I think, two more bones left in his body to break to complete the whole set of everything being broken, and then he's good to go. Great, good to know. Um, I learned something interesting, completely irrelevant, that um, I learned today that giraffes have the same amount of bones as the human, yeah, seven, no, in the neck, in the neck, I thought it's in their entire body. Oh, it may well be. I know for I know for a fact it's this, they've got seven vertebrae in the neck, just like we have. Yeah. I think it's in the whole body as well. But yeah, I'm gonna look. There you go. I'm gonna there's look my, that uh, There's my irrelevant fact for you for the day. Uh, Bears. I want to talk about the Bears running backs because this is really important. So I've been really clear that I think Roshan Johnson ascends to the uh, overall position. I talked about this on last night's show. So if you um, want a bit more context. But I think Roshan Johnson is the back to own. I think Dante Foreman will be good this week. If you picked him up or you can pick him up now, I think you can get Dante Foreman as a good startable week. Um, They liked him enough to not cut him, but they don't like him enough to play him or have him on an active roster. So I think he steps in this week. I think he can get a reasonable role going out uh, this week, but I don't think he's a long-term play. I I think the Herbert injury is going to be out multiple weeks. Roshan Johnson has a concussion. He could be back this week. He might not be back this week. I think Roshan Johnson will ascend into the RB1 role very soon. That's how I see this back uh, backfield going. He's the one that I kind of want in there. So uh, he's the, the big fantasy play for me going forward. Uh, I think that's it. I think that's all I got for trends this week. They're the, they were the standouts uh, for me. Uh, but yeah, and things I just don't buy into this Bears offensive overnight turn you know they lost 13 games in a row there's a reason they lost 13 games in a row right yeah i can confirm uh, that it is the neck bones that are the same giraffes have 170 bones compared to our 200 and something but neck bones seven a piece good okay there we go just a a fact check there for the murph in the zoo fact not the streets murph's hit the zoo this week for his random fact of the week uh that Feels like a, any injuries you want to talk about before we dash out, Murph? Anyone we need to monitor? Well, we've talked about some of these, right? Um, we've talked about uh, Jefferson, uh, Chan, Connor, Richardson on IR. I don't think – I've talked about Higgins. don't think he's going to play this week. Uh, Kelsey, uh, interesting scenario uh, because they play tonight. So you're going to have to keep an eye on that one. 
wouldn't surprise me similar to the first week of the season that they keep him out. Um, so just be really careful if you're starting Kelsey this week, you're going to have to really monitor that situation. He did practice, so there is a chance, but I, it's a hard one. I would say that right now I'd probably risk playing him based on what I know, but don't be surprised if he goes out. So you go to bed with the latest information if you can. Greg Saltz, Dulcich talked about. He's going to be fit. Don't need to play him. <laughs> uh, Jamal Gibbs, the same. Uh, might be fit. Don't need to play him. Uh, he is irrelevant in fantasy football right now. Um, so don't need to worry about him. Uh, players to watch this week for injuries. Uh, Tankdale, Zay Jones, I think will go. Juju, doesn't matter. Don't play him. Drop him. He can go. Alave, I think will be okay. Uh, Daniel Jones, I don't think will be okay. I think he's... Uh, not likely to play. Wondell Robinson, doesn't matter. He's got the worst matchup in football. Even if he's fit, don't play him. Uh, he's up against Taron Johnson this week. So you can uh, you can drop him. Uh, not drop him. You can just drop him your bench. You can just uh, bench him and keep him out of the way. So there's probably some more injuries. I'm They're kind of the ones that kind of caught my eye over the last few days. Uh, I'm just checking to see if I've missed anyone. Um, Traylon Burks is out. I, I, he's out. Club. Yeah. I, to be honest, he you can drop Traylon Burks again. Talking about roster clogs, I don't see a pathway to him with all these non-stop injuries to him being fantasy relevant. Um, I don't see a pathway for him, um, given the fact that the wide receiver two position in Tennessee isn't all that desirable. Um, I would just. All right, in Dynasty, different story. In redraft, uh, I, you can get away from Traylon Burks now. It's not it's not necessary for him to be owned. There you go, Rush Nation. That is your week five, six, middle of the week roundup. It was uh, informative, Murph. There was some good stuff in there. I enjoyed that, my man. Good. I hope it was useful. Yeah, there was just some of the highlights I, I picked out. I've got uh, loads more, which will go on the Patreon uh, tomorrow. So check that one out. Um, because I think it will be valuable. I think it's a valuable exercise to do. Um, someone just said Addison knew ankle injury. Um, yeah, I I don't know too much about that. And this is something that's just happened in the last few minutes. Um, well, look, well, Murphy could uh, uh, limited in practice. So uh, look, limited in practice. I'm not too worried about. So for the definition, they really hype up um, these injury reports like as much as possible. Um, when you're limited in practice, that says that you missed uh, you missed plays. Um, but it could also mean you missed play, as in one. So if you don't play due to injury, uh, let's say, for example, you're getting physio and the trainers decide that you can join training 10 minutes late because you're finishing your physio session or that you sit out the first, say, couple of plays. That's you limited. Technically. So, um, it, yes, he's got, I'm not saying he's not injured, but if he's practicing, then I'm less concerned. Um, yes, sometimes you get limited participants not play. We've seen this with Saquon. We've seen this with a few players. Um, having said that, the fact that he's limited now 
wouldn't shock me if we see a full practice um, before the weekend or at the weekend. So I'm not too concerned. If he wasn't practicing, I would be more concerned. I think the fact that he's already limited practicing suggests to me, given the situation they're in, they're going to need him. I'd be surprised if Addison doesn't go. Like, I'd be genuinely shocked. But it is an ankle injury. We shouldn't be too flippant about these things. But I would be surprised, given what I've just read, that he, you know, I, I think he will go. Um, but also what we'll see, um, we know that they called up Nikhil Harry and uh, Tristan Jackson, but they had roster spots they could make due to IR. So it could be the team being cautious, but let's be honest, Nikhil Harry is no Jordan Addison. So I wouldn't be too worried just yet. But if he doesn't practice, say, when we see the injury report later today or tomorrow, then I'd be uh, more concerned. But it the fact that he logged a limited on Wednesday says to me, I think he will trend more likely to play than not play. There you go, Rush Nation. There's your up-to-the-minute roundup with Jordan Addison's ankle. Let's see how that continues to evolve throughout the week. Uh, Rush Nation, that is going to do it for Thursday's show. Don't forget, head over to Patreon slash Five Yard Rush. One pound a month will get you Murph's complete breakdown for the week. There's a whole load more stuff going on over there. Do check out the website, fivebyrush.co.uk, for articles pop in weekly. Follow Murph on X at Murph underscore NFL. Follow the podcast at Five Yard Rush. And until next, blah, 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 brilliant. Have that one. Until next week, Rush Nation, as always, don't forget, keep rushing. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 